Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, on this seventh and final Sunday of the Easter season, the church offers us the very last words of the Bible. And with this sermon, I bring to close my meditations on this extraordinary book of Revelation. So we've been walking through it now these past uh, weeks. But you know, what an what a amazing thing to think about, the, the entire Bible. And we come now to the last words of it. When the church decided, as it put it, its canon of Scripture together, they would end with this text, and these are the very last words. So we have to pay some close attention. Now, I mentioned last week that with the disclosure of the heavenly Jerusalem, the biblical narrative in the grand sense effectively comes to a close, and that's true. It sort of comes to its climax with the coming down from heaven of the new Jerusalem, the wedding of heaven and earth, what God has always wanted from the beginning. But what we find today in these very last words of the entire scriptural corpus is a kind of call it liturgical coda. It's a sort of a denouement of the story, if you want. You know how, think of the Lord of the Rings, you know, comes to a, a great climactic close with the uh, destruction of the ring and all that. But then there's this kind of extended denouement of the story. Well, it's something similar going on here. And it takes a liturgical form because it's a prayer, if you want, a call and response between the Lord and his church. So the wedding of heaven and earth, the new Jerusalem has happened, but now we have this final prayer. And, you know, I, I want to stress that because that's what the Mass is. As I've often said, the Mass is a call and response between Christ and his people. So remember the book of Revelation, in a way, began with the voice of Jesus. When the, the seer, St. John on Patmos, he hears this extraordinary voice and he turns to see where it's coming from. So it begins with that. Well, it ends with the same voice. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. From the beginning, the first Christians, people like St. John, felt that the world as they knew it had effectively ended. And that's, that's key to reading not only this book of Revelation, but, but all of early Christianity. The world as they knew it had ended, how? With the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about that. It's as though the laws of nature have been undermined and they've been reversed. Something of the old world had just fallen away. And see, much of the book of Revelation is the unfolding of that realization. Thus, they were equally convinced that the risen Jesus, who signaled the end of the old world, was coming soon to establish his kingdom. Now, that's all the language of the heavenly Jerusalem, right? It's the realization of Christ's kingdom on earth. Now, though nearly two millennia have passed since the resurrection, 
this basic insight remains valid. What I mean is, we are indeed living in the end times. We're living, if you want, in the denouement of that great story, which reaches climax in the dying and rising of Jesus. And therefore, our fundamental attitude remains theirs. We wait in joyful anticipation of the return of the Lord. So Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. And the, the first Christians are, are calling out to him, yes, Lord, please come. Well, that's still our attitude 2,000 years later. We're waiting in anticipation for the Lord's return. The battle has been won. I mean the battle against sin and death. They've been conquered. Think of, you know, so the, the ring has been destroyed, and, and Sauron is, is destroyed, and the mountains collapse. The battle's won. But what? But what? But the mop-up operation is ongoing, if I can put it that way. I've often used that comparison with uh, World War II. You know, after the Normandy uh, invasion and the great battle of June 1944, canny observers on both the Allied and the, and the Nazi side would have said, you know, the war is over <laughs> because uh, Germany couldn't withstand a two-front war against the Russians in the East and then the Allies in the West. And so as of June 1944, the war was essentially over. It was won. But yet there was a pretty, you know, lengthy and painful mop-up operation from June 1944 until, let's say, uh, May of 1945. Well, again, all analogies limp, but th there's something of that reality in the church is the battle's over. But yet we're living in this kind of lengthy mop-up operation. We've seen the heavenly Jerusalem, but now we all have the privilege of fighting to establish it through our cooperation with grace. Does that make sense? You know, I think of, of Martin Luther King's famous last speech he gave the night before he died. And, you know, I've, I've seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I've been to the mountaintop, he says. I might not get there with you, but I've, I've seen it. In other words, he had the prophetic vision of the fulfillment of his dream that they were going to win this great battle. But yet he was saying to his followers, but the fight goes on. Now get, now get into it. I, I've seen it's going to come out. Okay, we're going to win, but you still got uh, fighting on your hands. Well, that's the space, everybody, that the church lives in. Okay. Then Jesus says, returning to our reading, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In a word, he's the beginning and the end of the great story. Now, why? Well, we know why. Because all things came to be through him. In the beginning was the Word, and God made all things through the Word, and all things will be consummated in Him. He's the beginning of the story. He's the end of the story. The entire universe, if you want, and of course all of human history, is from Him and for Him. He bookends and defines the master narrative of existence putting that rather philosophically, but the Bible insists upon that. If you want to know what it's all about, look to Jesus. You know, the Germans uh, have this expression, the, die Frage nach dem Sein, which means the, the question about being. 
so not a question about this or that particular thing, but the question about being. What's it all about? Well, Christianity has the answer. It's all about Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That's the point John is making here. Then the Lord says, Blessed are they who have washed their robes and entered the city by the gates. Blessed are they who have washed their robes and entered the city by the gates. We heard earlier in the book of Revelation of those who wash their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, that refers to the great martyrs of the early church. But I think the reference here is wider. Those who have washed are those who have been baptized into Christ and hence have access to the holy city. Does that make sense? Blessed are they who've washed their robes. That means the, the baptized who enter the city now, which is the city of, of, the, of the kingdom of God, by the gates. The reference here is to the church, which is the anticipation even now of that great Jerusalem that is to come. What we heard about last week, the, the heavenly Jerusalem coming down, God's marriage with humanity. Well, the church is the anticipation even now of that Jerusalem. And we get into it through baptism. Or better, if I can put it this way, it's a kind of, the church, a kind of iconic representation of the heavenly Jerusalem here on earth. What Aquinas called the, the Yanoa Vitae Spiritualis, the door of the spiritual life, baptism gives us access to the sacraments, to the preaching of priests and bishops, to the love of the community, to the saints and holy traditions, to the myriad means of grace. Those who have washed themselves in the waters of baptism now have access to all of this in the holy city. Now, this church I'm talking about is doing many things in the course of its journey through space and time. But its primary responsibility is to call out to its Lord. So listen now to the wonderful summation. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Right. So now Jesus has been speaking. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, etc. Right. The Lord's been talking. Now, now we're getting the response that comes from the church itself. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Now, who's the bride? Well, well, that reference should be rather obvious. For the church is consistently described as the bride of Christ. God's desire to marry his people, to establish the deepest, most intimate bond with them, is realized now in the community of the baptized, those who've been grafted onto the Son. The bride's principal preoccupation is to wait and to long and to hope. And so she cries out, listen now, across the centuries, from, from Peter and Paul all the way to, to Pope Francis, the church cries out, come, come. This is what I've called the permanent advent quality of the church's life. We've been saved, but our salvation is not complete. We've been redeemed, but we still await the full effects of redemption. The kingdom of God has come, but it's also not yet. And so we wait and we summon the bridegroom. Okay, so that should be clear, the bride-bridegroom the bride -bridegroom thing. But here's what I find really fascinating, the reference to the Spirit, right? The Spirit and the bride say, come. Paul said it's only in the Spirit 
that were able to call Jesus Lord. The Holy Spirit is God already working in us, prompting us to ask for the arrival of the Son. See, and again, everybody, this is the wonderful Christian distinctiveness, that we are never simply outside of God seeking communion or access. It's always God who comes first. Grace precedes whatever we accomplish. We ask for the Son, right? So the, the, the bride says, come. But why? Because the Spirit dwelling in us prompts us to do so. The Spirit is calling from within the church to the Son to come. There is the church. The liturgy is nothing but this elaborate call and response between head and members. The members themselves seized by the Holy Spirit. Okay. The entire Bible now ends with precisely this call and response. Listen, the one who gives the testimony says, yes, I'm coming soon. There's Jesus. The community that baptized responds, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Last words of the Bible. The Bible begins and ends with right praise, with liturgical call and response. This is the very heart of the heavenly Jerusalem. The spirit and bride say, come. The Lord says, I'm coming soon. And the church says, amen. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. That's the whole story, everybody. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.